everyone. Thank you for listening to True Crime Cam. This week's episode is Creepy Encounters. Very similar and just as horrifying as r slash let's not meet. But before I get into that, if you want to support this podcast, please go on Spotify and tap those five little stars or go on iTunes and leave a review. It really helps my podcast and I really appreciate it. Thank you. And another huge thank you, which I've failed to mention the past few episodes. Thank you so much for a million streams on Spotify. That is crazy. I can't even believe that. Cool, so let's get into it. It is about to get creepy. This first story is called, I interrupted a murder and didn't know it until the next day. Back in the 90s, my friend and I had been out one night to judge a pageant. On the way home, we decided to stop by a liquor store and get something to drink when we got back to her house. We had babysitters, so it was also like a mom break. Well, she couldn't wait and added some to her slushy, so we decided to take the back roads home. I was not drinking. It was a very rural area. Houses were miles apart and a lot of farmland, but an area she had grew up around and was familiar with. My car at the time was literally two to three months old. Never had an issue with it. As we were going down a certain road, the feeling was just eerie, pitch black. Something was off. And as we're talking about it, I ask, are you sure this is the right way? She assures me it is. So I turn the music back up and off we go. Then I get a feeling again. But this time I tell her, I don't like this. Let's turn around. So we're looking for a place to turn around and could see a bridge up ahead. She said people fish beside it. There's a place I can turn around there. And as soon as she says this, my car shuts completely off. Lights, music, everything about it. You could not see anything. I'm trying to restart it and can't even get a sound from that. This goes on for three to five minutes and we're freaking out. Cell service was out and back then you didn't have flashlights on them so it was darkness. Then, as soon as it stopped, it came back on. When it did, the headlights came on and we could see beer cans lined up in the middle of the road in front of us. And they were not there before. We were like, what the hell, and I threw it in reverse and drove backwards until I could turn around. We were both scared, asking how it happened, how did the cans get there, but we couldn't come up with anything. The next day, I took my car to the dealership and told them about it shutting down. They ran a test on it, but couldn't find anything wrong. A few days later, she called me and asked if I had seen the paper yet. I said no. She said, go get it, and look at the picture on the front page. That's where we were at. I went immediately and got one. The night my car died at the bridge, a man had been out drinking with his friends. And somehow it came out that this man was having an affair with his friend's wife. They had parked where people went fishing down under the bridge, which is why we couldn't see the truck. And he was beating this man to death. At some point, the man got away and made it up to the bridge. Then the other man shot him and threw him over the bridge into the water. The next day, a fisherman found the body. The man confessed, adding that a car was coming and parked by the bridge, and during that time is when he escaped, and he was fighting to keep him on the bank. 
If the man would have made it up, more than likely we would have been shot as well. Never figured out what slash why my car shut down. I like to think divine intervention. Never figured out how the beer cans appeared either. And that story was by user baralone4092. This next story is called The Man in My Attic. So I, 24 male, have lived on my own for about two years now. I have a very small bungalow I'm able to pretty comfortably afford. In this bungalow, I have an attic area. At a guess, I'd say it's about 5 by 5 meters in size, and you can only really stand in there in the very center. Anyway, I work the night shift at a factory, so I usually get in around 8 a.m., I was coming home last Thursday during a heavy storm, and I got into the house and just went to sleep. When I woke up, I went on my phone and saw that I was so tired that I didn't check my notifications. I have a ring camera outside my door, which shows me anyone who would have come to my room. I saw that it had been tripped at 7.42 a.m. I got into the house around 8.10, 8.15 a.m. I checked the video and saw that it was a man. He was pressed right up to the door and was fumbling around with the handle. He did this for about 10 seconds until he spotted the camera. Once he did, he very quickly scuttled away. This unsettled me but didn't entirely creep me out or anything. I got up to go make some food and discovered something in my kitchen. My back window was open. I, of course, instantly began having thoughts of a home intruder but slowly chilled out as I convinced myself I had left it open. The rest of the day consisted of this, just noticing small things that didn't seem right, and scaring myself. All up until a point, I leave for the shift at 10pm, and I was watching some TV at 9 o'clock-ish. I spotted something that made my heart leap into my throat. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see it. My attic entrance was slowly being slid open. I can so vividly remember that I began questioning my sanity. Surely I was just hallucinating or something. I looked over at it and absolutely saw something that made me so much more scared. I saw fingers wrap around the hatch and begin moving it more. I didn't know what to do. I could feel the panic beginning to really get to me, and I wasn't sure if I should leave the house and call the police, or if I should try and yell at whoever was up there. I chose a mixture of both. I began dialing 999 and ran to my bedroom where I could lock the door. As soon as I began running, I heard the hatch get almost tore off with the speed they moved it, and I arrived at my bedroom door. I looked down the corridor and watched for a second, seeing only a little slice of the blackness up in my attic, and I saw the human hand still holding on to the sides of my ceiling. I yelled, Whoever is there, I am calling the police, and I have a gun. If you take a step out of there, I will fucking shoot you. The adrenaline was really making my hands and voice shake, but I tried sounding as tough as I could. Then I saw something that I truly do not think that I will ever forget. The hands slipped back into the dark, and then he dropped down. I slammed my door shut and locked it as quickly as I could. The call went through and I was able to get on a line with the police and they dispatched officers to my house. I told them I didn't know if the man was armed or not and the dispatcher told me to stay on the line. 
I heard the man walking up to my door and rattling the door handle. He also seemingly went through my cupboards and my kitchen as I heard a lot of commotion there. Truth be told, I don't know why he stayed. I would have just left the house. But he stayed right up until the police came in and arrested him. Apparently, he was a homeless man and was armed with a knife from my kitchen, and had recently been seen in the area trying to get into other houses. Truth be told, I'm very frightened to sleep still. I now sleep with my bedroom door locked and all my windows closed. I also sleep with a knife under my pillow. I know that it is unlikely to ever happen again, but I just cannot forget the way he dropped down from my attic. That story was posted by user throwaway1941029. This next one is titled, Oh No Joe, Not Again Joe, Song of a Pedophile. This happened when my sister and I were around 6 and 8. We are now 43 and 45. It is something that still haunts us occasionally. We had an amazing municipal swimming pool in our neighborhood. South African summers in Johannesburg are hot and long. The swimming pool was the ultimate destination. Joe was that adult that was always at the pool. He would swim lengths, practice diving, and tickle our feet under the water. Just typing this makes me feel nauseous. To this day, I still have issues with my feet being wet. Specifically, I'm unable to leave cream on my feet. The sliminess makes me feel claustrophobic. I only realized the connection last year. Whenever we would sit on the edge of the pool with our feet hanging in, he would swim past all of us and tickle all of our feet in a row. I can't remember all the details 100%, but someone playfully screamed, Oh no, Joe. And Joe did it again and sang, Oh no, Joe. Not again, Joe. We all laughed, as kids do. Then he tickled our feet again and made us sing his new song. Oh no, Joe. Not again, Joe. It became a game. He would grab us under the water and we would sing. It went from feet tickling to chasing us and grabbing our waists under the water. Oh no, Joe. Not again, Joe. That song never goes away. One day at the pool, Joe tells us he has this amazing farm just out of town. He would like to take us to see his animals, his corn, and his own swimming pool. It sounded like heaven to all of us. He was talking to several children, boys and girls. He told us to be at the swimming pool on Saturday, but not to tell our parents. We will go in his car. As soon as we get home, we tell our dad everything. We are so excited. This farm sounds amazing. Our dad says, absolutely not. Who is Joe anyway? We tell him that Joe is our friend at the pool and plays with our feet and chases us around the pool. My dad says that actually, maybe we can go, but he wants to meet Joe first. The next day, we go to the pool and we tell Joe we can go with him, but our dad wants to meet him first. Joe is upset that we told our dad, but we tell him not to worry. Our dad is cool. So Joe walks home with us, we only lived about five blocks from the pool, and comes to meet our dad. Joe is about 5'6". My dad is 6'7", just over two meters. The personification of a gentle giant. My dad is super polite to Joe. He asks him loads of questions about the farm, where it is exactly, 
How many kids are going? Has he spoken to the other parents? Joe was as cool as a cucumber. He answered the questions smoothly and confidently. My dad ended by saying, Joe, I look forward to seeing you on Saturday at your farm. I think we will have a great time. I will bring my girls, though, and we will meet you there. The next part is a bit of a blur for me. I am not sure how we ended up driving in convoy with about three other dads and their kids from the pool. It was so exciting. My dad had the map book, leading the convoy to the best farm in the world. We drove about an hour out of the town, and we arrive at the derelict farmhouse. No animals, no corn, no swimming pool, just this run-down, isolated, scary-looking farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. I remember being really confused. My dad must have read the map book wrong. All the dads huddled together. We have no idea what they are saying, but they are angry. We are also angry. We are obviously lost, and it's the dad's fault. Everyone gets in their cars, and I start screaming at my dad about how he deliberately got us lost because he doesn't like Joe, and he didn't want us to have fun. My dad is silent and pensive. After my tantrum, he says to my sister and I in a very calm, deep voice, Joe is a bad man. He was going to hurt all of you. He is the bad man your mom is always warning you about. My mother is obsessed with true crime. There is no farm. I am so happy you girls told me what was going on, because something bad could have happened to you. His strong voice broke in those last words. The gravity of his tone and the break in his voice made my sister and I realize that he was right, and we were in danger. We cried and apologized. He made us promise to tell him if we saw Joe again. Joe stayed away from the pool for about a month. As soon as we saw him come through the gate, we quickly got dressed and ran home. When my dad came home from golf, we told him Joe was at the pool again. The next day, we went to the pool with our dad. We were swimming, and my dad was sitting on one of the benches to the side. In walks Joe. He comes to the edge of the pool and is calling us. We refuse to go to the edge. He is getting frustrated. My dad gets up and comes up to Joe. Quote, Hey buddy, can I chat to you outside quickly? Joe physically shrunk. My dad had his hands on Joe's shoulder and was guiding him out of the pool. I can only imagine what my dad did and said to Joe. My dad is a gentleman, but don't mess with his girls. Joe was never seen again at our swimming pool. And that creepy encounter was posted by user Lady underscore Delirium. This story is titled, I think I found a hidden camera in my friend's bathroom. I'm staying at my friend's house for the weekend to spend time with him while he's back from college. He currently lives with his family, mom, dad, and younger sister. While I was using the bathroom, I looked over to the right and noticed a black square adapter plugged into the wall facing me directly. I looked closer and noticed a black hole in the middle, kind of looking like a camera. I don't know if it's exactly a camera or just a small hidden LED light to show if something is charging. I noticed it was connected to a cord, leading it to what looks like a white charging block. But I honestly don't know what it could be. If it's a camera, it definitely caught me staring at it and taking photos, so I'm a bit nervous. 
Plus, I'm female. It's scary to think someone could be recording me and could be posting it online for some money. I know he's not the type of person to stalk on somebody, but also he hasn't been home for that long, so I think it might be his father's. I want to bring it up and ask, but I want to make sure that I'm not overreacting. I have photos of the adapter if anyone is interested in helping. I'll gladly send photos to help. The adapter looks exactly like this one I found on a website. Update number one. Next day. I'm currently still here at his house and waiting for my roommate to pick me up to take me home. But she's aware of the situation and is just as interested as me and scared. I do have one issue. When I woke up to use the bathroom, I passed by his parents' room and noticed what looks like a frantically thrown around room with cords all over the bed. I may just be overthinking, and this could be someone looking for their charger, but again, I felt it was important to say this. To answer some questions, yes, the back of the power adapter had a weird set of numbers with power adapter model S3 on top of it. When I put those words onto Google, it did come up recommended search for camera. So again, I don't know if I'm just overlooking everything simply because I'm paranoid, but if any of you saw that and know what it means, please let me know. Thank you. Another question slash misunderstanding, it was in the bathroom facing directly to the side of me, but did show the whole shower, meaning if this is a camera, it's been recording people taking showers, not just taking shits. Some back info on the family. My friend that I've known for a long time is gay, and there's mostly women in his house. Unless he's snooping on his father, but I really doubt it. But I honestly think it's more likely the father. He does give me weird vibes. And as for the younger sister, I think she's 15. So if this is a camera, I will be infuriated. And yes, the family knew ahead of time I was visiting. Lastly, when I took the adapter, I also took the cords connected to it and the white block connected to the cord. Update number two. I finally left, and guys, it's a fucking camera. I took off the sticker on the back of the adapter, and there's a fucking SD card. When I popped out the SD card, there's an A written on it. It's 32 gigabytes as well. I am freaking out. I told my friend, and he's just in so much distress. He's actually scared. I told him everything, including how I posted it on Reddit. Him and his mother want to see what's on it and take it to police. Update number three. Hey everyone, I'm sorry for the late reply, but I have some important info. So yes, we found proof of it being a camera and saw the footage on the camera with an SD reader you plug into your phone. I told my friend, and he decided to tell his mother. She was completely distraught. She immediately contacted a friend who happens to be a lawyer for some advice. And she advised we take it to authorities, and we are planning to. While browsing the footage, we noticed it wasn't anything too revealing. And yes, I know it's still illegal to record anyone without their permission or knowledge, but it still helped us deal with everything a bit better. My friend decided to confront his father about it. He admitted a friend from his job loaned it to him a year ago but quickly quit the company after suing the company after an injury and fleeing the country after receiving his money. Now we're currently trying to find proof that this exchange ever happened. And if it could actually be that this man knowingly gave an older man with a younger daughter and a son a hidden camera to capture them and maybe sell them online. Now as for what's on the card was over 70 videos. 
different amounts of footage and folders. Only one folder had the videos, but there was a WhatsApp folder that was empty, which was weird. A lot of it was black, just showing the candle burning all day, but it did capture people using the bathroom. I try to keep updating as I go, but it's a lot to uncover for me. I'm still in denial about this, so I'm just going on my own pace as well as my friend's family. My friend said his dad was really upset once he was told his daughter, wife, and son were possibly recorded. So I don't know, take that as you will. So that story was posted nearly a year ago by Mutual Butterfly, and there has not been any more updates, unfortunately. But that is really freaking scary. Um, If you stay in an Airbnb or anything like that, make sure to look for cameras because there's actually a bunch of articles about people getting arrested and sued for filming people in their Airbnbs. Maybe I should do an episode on that. This next story is titled, My Ex-Best Friend Was a Psychopath. So the story starts when I was in middle school. I met a guy who I'll call Chase for anonymity. Chase was the new kid in my 7th grade English class. He looked like a typical skater, BMX type of kid. Long, floppy Justin Bieber-style hair, and wore shirts and hats that had the Monster logo on them. Insert Kyle meme reference. For the first week or so, we didn't really talk or interact with each other. At lunch, I would always see him eating alone in the cafeteria. I would just watch him sometimes. His mannerisms and things he'd do were just intriguing to me for some reason. One day, I was coming out of the bathroom when I see him harassing some 6th grade girl and trying to get her to make out with him. In my stupid, naive 7th grader brain, it didn't register to me that what he was doing was wrong. I actually thought he was cool for doing it. He looked over at me, smiled, and then walked away after the girl walked back into her classroom. The next day in English class is when we first began interacting with each other. I had to do a book report on Of Mice and Men, and when he saw me reading the book, he gave me his notes and told me to just copy his work but change it up a bit so as not to make it obvious that I copied him. He said that reading was really boring and that he just skimmed through the plot of the book and movie on Wikipedia instead of actually reading it. I thanked him and was genuinely thankful as I, too, didn't like reading. I actually love that book now. Eventually, we would start hanging out outside of class, and we would have lunch together outside in the quad. He told me he was interested in riding BMX bikes and motocross. So my earlier assessment of him was right, I suppose. I wasn't really into that stuff, so I just nodded my head and tried to act like I was genuinely interested. The whole time he'd talk, I'd just admire him for some reason. I'm not gay for the record, never have been attracted to dudes, so it was really weird being so drawn to him the way I was. We started hanging out after school. He would come over to my house every day. At this point, he had completely won my mother over. He would always compliment her on the way she had the house decorated. He would compliment her cooking and would talk to her about the show Teen Mom 2 which my mom really liked to watch, and apparently so did Chase. Over time, I started going over to his house. I wasn't as outgoing as he was, so I didn't immediately hit it off with his family, but they were very nice people, and I liked them. Chase would always argue with his mom. One time, she told him and I to go outside and hang out, because she didn't want us playing Grand Theft Auto all day. 
This seemed to really piss Chase off, and he turned around and hurled the controller at her, cracking her right in the forehead. I was sent home, and as I was walking down the driveway, I could hear him screaming at his mother and calling her all kinds of horrible things that I won't even repeat here. The next day at school, he walked up to me at my locker and apologized for what happened at his house. I asked him if his mom was alright after being hit with the controller, and he said she ended up going to the ER to get stitches. He then said, too bad I had to do that just to get the bitch to shut up. As more and more time progressed, I had started spending more and more time in his house. His attitude towards me started to change. He would ridicule me for the clothes I would wear. I always wore black band shirts, and he would call me an emo F-slur every day. One night when I was spending the night at his house, he said he wanted to play a game. The game was just called Hide and Seek Tag in the Dark, and he was it. So first round, we turn all the lights off in his house, and I hide while he counted. Keep in mind, this was his idea, not mine. I thought it was weird that we were even playing that given our ages at the time. Nevertheless, I find a hiding spot in a crawl space, under the staircase, and I wait patiently. The house was pitch black, and completely dead silent. Let me tell you that the atmosphere in the house was something straight out of a horror movie. I felt extremely uneasy, and the hairs on my arms started to stand up. I couldn't hear a damn thing in that house. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, I hear this creepy-ass laugh coming from outside the crawlspace door. The door was cracked open, and I could see Chase peeking in. He says in a low whisper, You're fucked, before yanking the door open and opening fire. A barrage of BBs are flying at me at once. I didn't know they were BBs in the moment, so I literally thought I was being shot with actual bullets. The popping sounds resembled an actual gun. He had emptied an entire magazine into me, and I was in so much pain that I couldn't move. Once the pain subsided, I just left without saying another word to him. At school, he would stare at me and follow me to all my classes. He would try to call me and text me, but I would always ignore him. Eventually, he left me alone, and a few years went by before I heard about him again through a mutual friend. Supposedly, he had gone on the run after shooting his girlfriend in the head because she wouldn't let him have the last cigarette. He hasn't been seen or heard from since, and to this day, his whereabouts are unknown. I find it so unsettling to think about how I was best friends with such a psychotic person. So this last story includes details of a sexual assault of one man onto another, the victim doesn't describe it as that, but it is definitely sexual assault. So if you can't listen to that or you don't want to listen to that, please stop this episode. This story is called Tender Date from Hell. So I'm 23, male, and I live in California. Last year, I decided to use Tinder for the first time. I had previously used Hot or Not and Plenty of Fish, but mostly just got bots and scammers so I already wasn't very big on online dating. However, I was feeling bored on Friday afternoon, so I decided to install Tinder and just see what happened. 
After creating an account, I began swiping people. And it wasn't more than like half an hour after I had gotten off the app that I got matched up with someone. For a little context, I am what you might call bisexual. Hate labels, but that is what I fall under, I suppose. And I matched with a 25-year-old dude named Aiden. Aiden was what I would call attractive, and he had similar interests in gaming and coding as I did. I decided to go and send him a message, but before I could even type a single letter, he sent me a message. The message read, Hey, saw your new detender, and thought I'd reach out to you and say, Hi. I said, Hi, back. And the two of us began talking about our love for video games, movies, and coding. He told me he's a full-time coder and makes a salary only working four hours a day. He asked me if I'd be down to come chill with him. I then offered him to come over to my house because I was alone and he lived with his parents. He seemed very excited all of a sudden and said he'd love to come over. We agreed on him coming in an hour so that I could tidy up my room and get my PC ready for gaming. After about an hour or so, I sent him my address, and he said he was on his way. Now, normally, I wouldn't have invited someone to my house that I've never met. But this guy seemed harmless, and he was attractive, so I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. I heard a knock at my front door, and I looked out the peephole, and I saw it was Aiden. He had a bottle of wine in his hand, and a smile across his face. We hadn't discussed drinking wine together but I did, in fact, like red wine. And the brand he had with him just so happened to be my favorite brand. I opened the door and greeted him. I told him that wine was my favorite and asked him if he's a mind reader. He laughed and said that I just strike him as a red wine kind of guy. I asked him how he planned to get home if he ended up drinking too much, and he said he Ubered to my house. We ended up having a couple glasses of wine on my back patio, just talking about life, work, and shared our coming out stories. After the wine, we went inside to play PC and had a blast. After the gaming, he showed me his laptop, which he had brought with him, and showed me his work. Eventually, I had to use the restroom, so I excused myself to pee. I then heard him approach the bathroom door and turn the knob. Because I didn't lock the door behind me, he just came right in, completely unannounced and without any warning, just starts grinding on me from behind while forcefully grasping my shoulders. I shoved him off of me and just kind of jokingly said, that's a bit intrusive. He just smiled at me and said, I just wanted to see how you'd react. I left the bathroom and walked into the kitchen, with him walking right behind me. I asked him if he wanted more wine or maybe some water. But before I could grab the water bottles from the fridge, this dude pushed himself up against me and groped my private parts, while smiling at me super creepily. This time I was completely taken aback. I shoved him off me forcefully and yelled at him. I told him we had just met, and that I didn't think it was the right time to just jump into something sexual. He said I was just a waste of time, and said that I had no idea what I was doing and that I give gays a bad name, then said I was being homophobic. I told him that if I was homophobic, that I wouldn't be hanging out with him and talking about the way we were. I told him I found him attractive, but that he was crossing major boundaries. He just laughed and said, 
In the LGBTQ community, there are no boundaries. And then just like that, he said he had to go. Thank God, is what I thought to myself. I walked him to the front door and he walked out without saying goodbye or anything. I didn't think anything else of it and decided I needed to take a shower. I got in the shower and about five minutes into my shower, I kept hearing this tink-tink sound coming from the other end of the door. I peek out through the sliding door of the shower and look down toward the bottom of the door. To my shock, I see Aiden holding a freaking spoon to the bottom of the door, looking in at me while I'm showering. I could only see this because of how high off the floor the door sat. Not knowing what to do, I just pretended not to notice him, and slowly turned the shower off. I got out, wrapped a towel around my waist, and prepared to confront him by yanking open the door. Before I could do that, I heard him snap a picture with his phone. I flung the bathroom door open, and he flew down the hall and out my front door. I saw him get into a white Honda Civic and drive away. He had lied about taking an Uber for some reason. I have no idea what the hell he took a picture of, or why he took it in the first place, but I can imagine that it wasn't for anything good. I immediately blocked him on Tinder and was paranoid that he'd return. So that's my story of the Tinder creep who groped me in my own house. And then there's an edit at the bottom. I did lock my door after he left the first time. I'm thinking he got in through the back sliding door. And that story was posted by user HondaGuy1998. Alright, that is all for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, and I'm sorry this episode is a little late. Uh, my birthday was this past weekend, and I had to make a 12-hour round-trip journey to visit family. Um, but I had a great time. Still recovering from all the socialization and driving, but it was a great time. And if you want to tell me happy birthday, you can go over to my Instagram or my TikTok at TrueCrimeCam. Again, thank you all for listening, and I hope you have a good day, evening, or night. Goodbye.